In the farthest reaches of space rests the lair of the universe's most vicious tyrant. But little do they know, his ultimate power is about to be unleashed. I have done it, Master. I have obtained it. Well, since the only things I care about are my freaks and my pigs, you better have brought some hoochies if you're gonna bother me. Master will be very pleased with what I bring him. I have brought Master his pretty stone, yes. What? Give me that shit! At last! Yes, great difficulty I had in obtaining pretty stone from Hester. Had to steal it from another gauntlet in a luchador temple. Very dangerous. Finally, I have collected all six infinity gems. And with them, I can wield the universe's most powerful weapon. And I'm not just talking about the largest arms in the world. Behold! The Infinity Gauntlet. With this gauntlet, I can erase half of existence with the mere snap of my fingers. Yes, Master's plan can finally commence. It's time to let the universe know that when it comes to mass extermination, Big Papa Pump is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. Meanwhile, at PWCHQ... Well, that was another resoundingly mediocre episode of Heel Turn. I mean, I don't know. I thought we did a good job this week. We had a couple people in the chat, and there's a lot to talk about this week. Oh, sure. It was super exciting. I mean, we talked about how much wrestling news sucked, and we talked about how much Raw sucked, and then you lied to everyone about SmackDown not being awful or something. Oh, I, I guess NXT was all right this week, so what, that's ten minutes of things I actually enjoy talking about? Yeah, that seems like a great ratio. Dude, are you okay? Doesn't seem like you enjoy doing this show anymore. No, I'm not okay! I'm fucking sick of this! Everything WWE does is awful and fucking infuriates me! They've somehow found a way to take everything I enjoy and make me hate it! And I can't fucking comprehend why we just don't stop! We don't need this shit! I especially don't need this shit! I'm fucking 30 now! Something needs to actually fucking change here, dude, because I, I don't think I can keep doing this anymore. See, here's the problem. If you're expecting change to happen, Vince McMahon would need to die. And he's never gonna die, so nothing will ever change. He is immortal, dude. And we can't ignore <sighs> the biggest wrestling company in the world, because, you know, what are we gonna talk about? Ring of Honor? Uh, hear me out here, though, dude. What if we did? What if we just said no? Uh, I'm, I don't know. We're not, we're not going to, so I, I guess we got to suck it up because we get some people to tune in, and uh, that's that. Anyway, I'm hungry. Fuck off. So let's 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 uh, stop recording. Let's go. Uh, let's go do something. And uh, 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 what? Uh, okay, cool. You're just walking uh, into fucking furniture now. What, what are you doing uh, here? Is this, this uh, a bit? Uh, John, I I I don't feel so good. Are you all right? I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Owen, I I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. John, please, I don't want to go. I don't want to 
go. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Owen? Owen? Owen! He's gone. Oh my god, he's gone. He's gone. Oh my god. But if he's gone, then that means I can do whatever the fuck I want. You are now tuned in to a dumb podcast. Tonight is the night with the song, with the words, with the words, with the song, with the words, with the song. Tonight is the night because we're angry, because we're fighting, because it's wrestling, so we're fighting, because we're angry, because we can. Tonight is the night fake punching, drop kicking, or KOing out of nowhere because we're not soft. It's all incredibly weird, but that's just half of the fun. That's why we get super hyped to talk about it and stuff. You'll turn! It's a wrestling podcast. You know, in case you were wondering. Comrades, one and all, welcome! It is the week of July 4th. 2018, and you are listening to Heel Turn, Ozone Entertainment's live weekly wrestling show and the official podcast of ProWrestling.cool. It's not just cool, it's dot cool. We are here to discuss a bunch of random things that interest me, which includes Glow Season 2, the feeling of letting go, the ramifications of having infinite power and what that entails for a narrative structure, and of course, the fact that it is America's 242nd birthday. Happy birthday america we did it we we had a good you know what we had a run it wasn't a great run but we we made it happen i'm your host john gavrexky maxwell owen is well owen is you know what it doesn't matter because i'm here and we don't need him in fact let me be the first to say fuck owen We have something even better for you in store this week, because joining us for the first time since 4th of July in 2015 is none other than Big Papa Pump. Give it up, folks, for Shoney's own Scott Steiner. Let me explain who I am. You see, usually when I come on this show, I kind of dumb myself down to the level of you rednecks and white trash that listen and stick to the classic sound bites. But you see, I come from a highly prestigious university, and I know all the good words, and I'm not going to keep lowering myself to appeal to you simpletons. And if you don't like that, well, you can tell it to the largest army in the world. So sit down, shut up, and give me a fucking mic. Because it's time for all of you to pay homage to the big bad, Bodie Daddy. Great to have you back, Scott. And may I add that I really appreciate this new verbose persona of yours. I feel like this is going to make our conversations much more interesting and really cut down on the edited time. The extra time in writing might cancel that out, though. Shut up! I'm the man with the largest arms in the world! I'm the genetic freak! And you're on my time now, so let's get this over with! Okay, Scott, you're the boss. Uh, let's get right on into it, then. So, Scott, as you've pointed out, you're usually a lot more, uh, curt and quippy. One can even say, uh pre-recorded in your responses when you typically come on here. What brings on this fresh new attitude? Well, usually the only things I care about are my freaks and my pinks. But the secret is, I've always had a third passion. 
You see, when I was at the University of Michigan, putting both my amateur wrestling opponents and my professors in the Steiner recliner, I learned about ancient intergalactic technology with the power to turn the wheelchairs into gods. They're called the Infinity Gems, and I spent my entire career scouring the universe in every wrestling promotion trying to collect all six gems. Just like I gave you all fair warning that if you crossed me, I was going to hurt you. Well, now I got all six gems and put them in this gauntlet I got that matches my chainmail. And I can do anything I want, and ain't a damn thing no one can do to stop me. Wow, that is a beautiful gauntlet. And obscenely large, too. Don't touch it! Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my, my mistake, my mistake. I didn't realize it was a touchy subject. Uh, uh, no pun intended there. Uh, please. You better be! You touch it again, I'll make you bleed! I understood. Completely understood. Um, let's, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, how, how did you go about uh, acquiring all the gems? I mean, spending your entire career obtaining them all, just, that sounds like a hell of a slog, man. Why do you think I'm wrestling for every promotion in the known universe, man? It's because Big Papa Pump was looking for the hookup on these gems. And I had to do some things I'm not exactly proud of to make sure this happened. You know why I bought myself a Shoney's franchise? No, please tell. Well, it ain't just because the Steiner Brothers are huge fans of family dining, even though all my freaks know there's nothing the dog-faced gremlin loves more than all-you-can-eat rib nights every Thursday. You see, I found that the CEO had the reality gem sitting in his house the entire time. Called it a family heirloom. So I knew that the only way I could get it was to become a franchisee and use my celebrity to get an invite to his house. And then I put that jabroni in the Steiner recliner and stole the reality gem like those goddamn luchadors stole the Frankensteiner from me and called the Hurricane Rana. It's not the Hurricane Rana, it's the Frankensteiner. Don't ever call it a Hurricane Rana or I'll kill you. And after I left him on his back, screaming in pain, then I went upstairs and put his wife on her back and made her scream my name. Damn, that's quite the story. But hey, it all worked out and no one seemingly pressed charges, so I'm glad it's all gone well for you. But what exactly does a reality gem do? It flexes the space-time continuum harder than I can flex the largest arms in the world, bringing your understanding of linear time and the concept of what's really happening to its knees. Huh, that's weird. So, what exactly does that entail? Also, why is it glowing? The first time wrestling came into my life was as a slow-acting pathogen that eventually took control. Wrestling had always been in the background, something I'd never personally seen, but recognized from the periphery. Even as a young child in the early 90s with limited access to non-PBS television, it was impossible to see the image of Macho Man Randy Savage with ridiculous multicolored cowboy hats and wild sunglasses and not immediately know that I wanted to buy whatever he was selling. My deep love of video games provided the window into this world, as getting to play these outlandish characters in arcade machines and on my Genesis made the rules and fights make sense. It's weird to think about, but even at that young age before seeing a single match, I had a pretty good understanding of what made me like wrestling. It was the pageantry, the audacity, the ability to take these people who were so larger than life that their existence seemed impossible and clash them against one another in battles whose drama were simultaneously overblown, yet perfectly representative of who they were. 
It all made sense. I heard from a pretty young age that WWF was fake. And I believed it. That's not to say that I was somehow smarter and more informed than other fans. I mean, for one, I was like five or something. And Lord knows I'm still not. But even as a kid, it made too much sense that none of this was real. These wrestlers just seemed more like action figures brought to life than real people. Like they had come straight out of a comic book. I mean, for Christ's sake, they were in comic books. But everything changed towards the end of 1996. When a close friend of mine dropped a bombshell on me that would rock my world. Sure, WWF was totally fake. But there's this other company called WCW, and they do real wrestling. And all the cool WWF wrestlers, they left the company, and they went to WCW because they were tired of doing the fake stuff, and they wanted to be real athletes again. Oh, also, Hulk Hogan? Yeah, he's evil, and he really likes Hollywood now. Little did I know that my New York friends and I had somehow inadvertently stumbled into a debate that had been raging in Georgia and the Carolinas for almost a decade. Not that it mattered, really. Because what mattered was that everything I had believed to be fake was, as far as I knew it, real after all. And since my parents had finally acquiesced and got cable, I could finally see it for myself. Needless to say, I was hooked. I watched WCW Monday Nitro religiously for about a year and a half. Mostly falling off during Goldberg's kind of boring, undefeated streak. It was never a mark for him. Sorry. Even at the time, I understood it was a ridiculously long show, one that my mom had little patience for me watching at the expense of my homework, or frankly, in general. But it was so eclectic, with every match feeling significantly different, and so many weird stories and people there that I couldn't take my eyes away. Unsurprisingly, I loved the cruiserweights. The moves to the luchadors like Rey Mysterio, Psychosis, La Parca, all these guys could pull off were unbelievable. And guys like Chris Jericho and Dean Malenko, they may have not have been as flashy, but it was easy to see that they were just as capable and exciting. Thinking about it, I'm not sure WCW ever had a smarter idea than putting the cruiserweights on first. Here were real people doing the kinds of impossible superheroics that led me to believe the whole thing was fake in the first place. How could it be fake if I'm literally watching a man jump off the top rope, grab another man with his legs, and throw him by his head? It's just physics. But even outside the cruiserweights, everyone involved seemed cool. Macho Man was there, and he was as wild and unpredictable as I'd always imagined. Booker T had those awesome spinneroonies and kicks, and he grew up in New York just like me, so how could he not be awesome? And just for the record, learning that Harlem Heat was just a name in Booker's attacks was heartbreaking. Diamond Dallas Page looked like a more extreme version of several Jersey-based adults that I knew and admired. And he had that goddamn diamond cutter that could take anyone out. The Steiner brothers were two big guys that could seemingly do everything the cruiserweights could do, but they were a tag team. Even the NWO, disruptive and abusive as they were, they seemed awesome. They were the bullies you hated. But secretly, you wanted to hang out with them because you always, they always knew how to have a good time. And then there was Sting, essentially a ghost with a trench coat and a baseball bat, who would magically drop down from the rafters to exact justice against the evildoers. He was so enigmatic, yet so righteous, that I somehow convinced myself for the longest time that the crow was ripping Sting off and not the other way around. And how could they not? He was a real-life hero. He was everything I wanted to be. And then it all came crashing down. 
I wish I could say there was a huge breaking point that ended my childhood love affair with wrestling, though, admittedly, finding out that WCW was fake too definitely didn't help matters. But it was a more gradual affair. All my friends had moved on. They, too, found out that wrestling was fake, and more enamored by the competition than the characters, they doubled down in their love of real sports. Meanwhile, the people I knew that still liked wrestling were all WWF fans, and I couldn't go down that path. I hated Degeneration X too much, and thought they were annoying losers. Also, if I'm being honest, Mankind's Mask and Weird Voice legitimately scared me, and I wanted none of it. My interest just faded, to the point that watching all of Nitro didn't seem worth it anymore, which gradually became watching Nitro every few weeks or longer, until I wasn't watching it at all. Wrestling never fully left my life. My simultaneous discoveries of Kaiju Big Battle and postmodern irony in high school gave me several years of legitimately loving an even faker wrestling show by convincing myself I liked it because it was so fake and making fun of something I believed I'd grown beyond. But it seemed like something best left with my baseball career. A frivolous childhood passion for which I learned a lot about myself and had some fun, but to which I could never return. Wait, did you hear that? Can someone check the equipment? I, I think I'm getting some interference. No? We're good? The autofile is okay? Alright, well, let's just keep going. I'll, I'll take it from the top. Anyway, Scott, it's great to have you back. But as cool as they are, we're not here to shoot the shit about your magic space rocks. We're here to talk about wrestling. It used to be good. One could say it used to be great. Right now, though, eh, not so much. But we'll talk about it, because that's what we do. And we'll begin, as we always do, with the news. News all time, Mr. Ver News! There's the news! News the news! In the news this week, there's never been a better time to be a fan of Raw who doesn't like watching their favorite superstars. Hot off the heels of Sami Zayn being shelled for an indeterminate amount of time doing two torn rotator cuffs, now we can add two more members to Raw's injured reserve list. First is Bray Wyatt, the Bayou Shaman gone from being ProWrestling.Cool's worst male superstar of 2017 to half of the Raw Tag Team Champions with Matt Hardy. Well, now he's gone to the hospital. Because apparently he was in a head-on collision last Friday on his way to the airport for a WWE live show. Bray apparently sustained multiple injuries, totaled his car, and missed Monday's Raw as a result of the accident, but ended up being released from the hospital during the weekend. That, and the fact that they haven't made any changes to the Extreme Rules title defense or stripped the belts off the deleter of worlds, would imply that his injuries aren't too serious, which would be great news for everyone involved. Less good news, however, is the fact that police have finished their analysis of the crash and have found Bray Wyatt to have been inattentive at the wheel and completely at fault. So, that sucks for his insurance rates. Still, though, seems like everyone involved is okay, so let's count our blessings and hope we see Bray soon. Or not. I really don't care either way. Still not too happy about all that Finn Balor stuff from last year. But while I wouldn't wish a car crash on anyone, something tells me that, in hindsight, Ruby Riot would have loved her own reason to miss this weekend's house shows, since she ended up getting injured in a match! Yes, apparently the leader of the Riot Squad suffered an MCL sprain in her left knee during a match and was taken off Raw because of it. She was sent to get an MRI on Tuesday, so the extent of the damage and whether or not she'll need surgery still isn't known as, as of this recording. But knee injuries are never fun, so we wish her the best and a speedy recovery. Hopefully a little bit of rest is all she needs. And that's it for the news. Wait, that's it? 
Nothing else is happening anywhere? I mean, I know it's Independence Day week and all, but seriously? I got some news for you, John. Really, Scott? Alright, lay it on me. Wrestling fucking sucks! Okay, A, that's not news. That's an opinion. But more importantly, B, I already knew that. WWE makes a garbage product that I don't like watching. If I didn't have to watch it, I wouldn't. But, Owen makes me, and I have an issue with disappointing people, so... It's not like linear time means anything to me anymore now that I've got this gauntlet that lets me do whatever I literally want, whenever I want. But looking back on the past makes it pretty obvious the wrestling has gotten way worse over the past few years. This may even be the worst period in WWE in history. I mean, it's horrendous, don't get me wrong, but... I don't know if I could say it's the worst in good conscience. I mean, the early to mid-90s were pretty rough. The early 90s, for a brief and shining moment, saw the Steiner brothers run roughshod over the entire tag team division. We made those idiots understand that size does matter when we threw them halfway across the ring right before we taught the girlfriends that size does matter. But that's not the point here. Can you honestly tell me that you've seen anything in the past year that makes you want to keep watching Raw? Think about if you enjoyed Raw this little when you started this dumb podcast. Would it have ever gotten off the ground? Would you even be here right now? Honestly? I don't know. I I really sometimes wonder why the hell I got back on this crazy train in the first place. Wait, you're static... wrestling came into my life was, well, it was pretty much exactly the same as the first time. It was gradual. It was due to the influence of other people finally pushing me over the edge, and video games had a lot to do with it. But it was, in a lot of ways, the result of a quarter-life crisis. I don't think I was ready for college when I went, but even if I was, the one I went to was the absolute wrong environment for me. I spent most of those years feeling completely isolated from the world and with nothing but time to wallow in all the self-loathing that years of parental abuse had left me. In my mind, it was clear. It wasn't that this was the wrong college for me. It was that I was a failure. School was always one of those things I was unequivocally good at and that no one, not even my father who tried to insinuate that I didn't really earn my way into high school or college, could take that away from me. And here, I couldn't do something as simple and easy It's getting a fucking degree. The message was clear. The world and everyone else I knew had moved on, and they weren't taking me with them. So I did what any 23-year-old in the middle of a mental breakdown seeing no hope for a future would have done. I went backwards. At this point, Owen had been trying and failing to get me to watch WWE's programming for about five years. But then something changed. Well... To be more specific, a few things happened that made everything change. First came WWE All-Stars. Man, what a fucking video game. It was fast, flashy, completely outlandish, and barely resembled WWE's product. And it's one of the best wrestling games I have ever played. It was every bit the action figure smashing spectacle I remembered wrestling being from my childhood. Sure, I couldn't have told you who half the roster was, but it put me in the place where I was willing to hear more about them. Especially one of those new guys who would end up blowing up shortly thereafter. CM Punk. I know it's a cliche at this point, but it's a cliche for a reason. 
No moment in wrestling has felt as real to me as CM Punk's pipe bomb promo before or since. The way he ran down the entire company. The references he made to things I didn't understand but knew were honest grievances. The unrepentant bitterness. It all spoke to me. No, fuck that. It was me. It was all the bitterness I felt towards a world that never understood me. That always tried to deny its attempts to define who I was. The pipe bomb didn't quite put me over the edge, but it set the stage for me to explore what watching wrestling again would mean. It convinced me to look up documentaries like Beyond the Mat and read books like The Death of WCW in order to truly understand the thing that defined my childhood. A year later, I had moved out of my parents' apartment and was living with friends from high school in what was a pretty extreme form of arrested development and facing down a very invasive and painful back surgery that... For several months, left me unable to do much more than sit on my couch and watch television while popping pain pills. In that moment, I discovered Raw was on Hulu. And with nothing else to do, my roommate and I threw on an episode. A month and a half later, I watched every single Raw and SmackDown on the service. And even dabbled in a couple weird indie companies like Lucha Libre USA. In March, Owen told me he could get his tickets to WrestleMania 29 at the Meadowlands. And it seemed like the perfect birthday present. A week after the event, Owen came to me with a crazy idea. What if we start our own wrestling podcast? Nothing was ever the same. Okay, are you fucking with me right now? You really can't hear that. Okay, because it sounds like one of you assholes is playing a recording of some weirdo's manifesto from an old tape recorder into my headphones. Oh, so nothing's on the recording. Great. Cool, glad to hear it. It's not like that doesn't mean anything, because you can still have my audio just fine while piping shit into my ears while trying to concentrate! You know what? Fine. You don't hear it? Cool. I believe you. But if I hear any interference one more goddamn time, I am gone! You can do this podcast without me! Alright, get it together, John. It's all good. It's all behind us. We're just gonna move on. We're gonna talk about something I've been excited to see for a year now. Okay? Okay. Folks, let's talk about Glow Season 2. So, first off, a disclosure. I've only seen about half the new season so far, so think of this more as early impressions than a full review. Second, a recap. I absolutely loved the first season of Glow. It was a show that definitely had some pacing and tone issues, like having episodes where they tried to balance serious friendship drama with robots filled with drugs. And some of the characters were a little one-note. I'm looking at you, Mark Marin but had an incredible ensemble and showed so much promise, and the season ended with the sense that they knew exactly where this show was going. Season 2 is proof positive that it's still one of the strongest ensembles currently on TV or whatever you call Netflix originals, but I can't help but be disappointed by the fact that it feels like they're spinning their wheels. The first half of Season 2 has, in a lot of ways, felt like a retread of Season 1's plot points. That's not necessarily the worst thing, since these characters showed a lot of growth over the first season, but didn't exactly change or fully resolve their issues. But the early plots definitely feel like slightly altered plots from the first season put in a new context. Ruth, Alison Brie's overly chipper wannabe actress, is still the core around which the entire series evolves, and she's still fantastic in that role. But it's hard to feel any real investment in her when her stories hit almost the exact same character beats we've seen from her. Ruth is clever. Ruth is fun. Ruth is driven by a need for validation from anyone and will allow herself to be abused because of it. 
it's all still well done, like the episode where Ruth blows off a date to help her frenemy Debbie, who plays All-American Wrestle Lady Liberty Bell and whose husband Ruth sl- sleeps with in the pilot, edit a PSA only for Debbie to reveal that she intentionally ruined Ruth's date. But it feels like we haven't gone anywhere. And speaking of Debbie, her character has gone off the rails. Like, she was always a borderline shitty person that you felt sorry for because Ruth destroyed her life she'd created for herself. But it feels like the doubling, if not tripling down on Debbie being impulsive, shrewd, and acting out. And that would be fine if there was seemingly any acknowledgement that Debbie is kind of a shitty, entitled person that needs to lower everybody else around her, and always has been. But it still feels like they're giving her a pass because, well, she's going through a divorce, and that's hard, okay? It feels like a lack of growth. And speaking of a lack of growth, there's everyone else. We got a wonderful episode starring Tamay, better known as the Welfare Queen, as she goes and visits her son at Stanford University, and a B-plot revolving around Sherry Bang that was really well done. But other than them, the ensemble has been squandered. Even Mark Marin's Sam has basically had nothing to do. Sure, they're trying to build on the reveal of his daughter from last season, but his stories have either been about him having beef with Ruth once again, or his weird scattershot attempts at being a father that make him look like an indecisive putz. Hell, they've introduced a whole new character in Yolanda, and she's had little to no screen time. But with all that said, I absolutely can't wait to watch the rest of the season, and I'm still giving them the benefit of the doubt. There's still nothing quite like Glow out there, a show that tells these funny tales of a goofy ladies wrestling show, but manages to wring actual pathos out of everything. And it's still really good. It may not be quite what I was hoping for, but after the first season, maybe it's not fair to expect it to be, you know... Something that could completely live up to my lofty, and I do mean lofty, expectations. Do you have any thoughts on the show you'd like to share, Scott? If there's one thing Big Papa Punk really appreciates, it's his freaks that got a little bit of me. And this show's got some nice fat asses. I wish they didn't put so much focus on that Ruth girl, though. She looks like the kind of girl that should put her ass out. The big bad booty daddy wouldn't just make her pass out. He'd rip her in half. Not with that Yolanda chick. She may say she's a lesbian, but all she has to do is look to the Big Dipper and satisfaction is so guaranteed that it can turn any hoochie off the coochie. Holler if you hear me. Come on, man. Really? Everything you just said is some of the most vile shit to appear on this podcast in a while. But the thing is, you've somehow stumbled into an actually legitimately criticism of Yolanda's character that I think reflects a lot of where the show is at right now. She's a broad sketch of a character, and the only thing we really know about her is that she's gay and she's a talented breakdancer. And don't get me wrong, it's both awesome and important to have an openly queer woman as part of this ensemble, but there's nothing else to her other than those insanely broad strokes that make her seem incredibly unrealistic. We barely have an understanding of who she is or what she's about. It just, it just feels like a ton of missed opportunity. Big Papa Pump doesn't care about any of that. All I care about is showing these freaks that there's nothing finer than Scott Snyder. Especially if they got the fat asses. But not too fat. Not like that Machu Picchu chick or Awesome Kong. They can still get my room over if they want, though. Jesus, dude, no. Okay, no. None of this is okay. You need to stop right the fuck now. Oh, you better not be trying to high road me right now, irony boy. As if you were trying to put words in my mouth. Look at you trying to SJW me like you haven't recorded days worth of offensive jokes and insensitive remarks for this show. Did you basically call me gay the first time I was on? It's not like I give a shit because all my freaks around the world know how Big Papa Pump swings, but don't act all high and mighty like you're above this. 
Look, that was four years ago, Scott. I was young and stupid and didn't realize the ramifications of stuff like that, okay? I, I fucked up. And look, I'm not going to front like I'm that much smarter now, but I'm at least trying to be a more conscientious person. Who wants to do the exact same thing they were doing years ago? So let me get this straight. You're just some different person now. You're dumb, acting like you become a big boy now. Last I checked, you're the one who said people generally stay the same. They just gain new perspectives. And I still think there's truth to that. Like, no, I'm not this wildly different person. I have similar tastes and passions. But I've been through a hell of a lot since then. I guess for lack of a better term, it has changed me. That person I was when I did that stuff is still inside me. But I don't want to be him. I've lived in what felt like suspended animation for a while, and I have no interest in going back there. Oh not again. No, I'm hearing the static again! Are you really not hearing this? Make the love of Christ do something! Do something, you dedicate yourself to creative endeavors, your life becomes about creating little time capsules to share with strangers. Each piece is a reflection on the person you were when you created it. Your hopes, your fears, your best urges, and the demons that brought you there. For the longest time, one of the evidences of my great failure was that I always considered myself a writer who doesn't write, categorically incapable of being the person I always wanted to be, because I couldn't bring myself to use those tools of expression that I'd spent so much time honing. But doing this show has made me realize that I was never incapable of sharing my vulnerabilities in that way, or being that person. I did it every single week in a format I told myself was frivolous, for fun, and never going to amount to anything until somehow it became a half a decade of my life. In the five years since Owen and I started Heel Turn, I've been through two serious relationships that, for all their faults and for all one of them cratered the little self-worth I had spent years building, have helped me rediscover the person I thought my college failure took away every chance I had of becoming. I hadn't lost my first adult job, struggled with a long unemployment that made me question every decision I had ever made, and found the first steady income that I found the slightest bit fulfilling. I got the degree I tried so hard and felt so miserable about not having. I moved between three different apartments, each one seeing my life and my social circle drastically change. I've lost old friends and made new ones. I've dealt with illnesses, hospitalizations, deaths, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. In all that time, this podcast, this stupid frivolous wrestling podcast I do every Wednesday, unless it's a Thursday, has been the only constant responsibility in my life. It's weird to think about the fact that I can pick any random episode of this show, listen to it, and feel exactly what was going on in my life at that point. Be it the first time I so passionately loved someone that I would have done anything. Or when I was legitimately saying my goodbyes to everyone I knew determined to end my life and spare the world of the monster I was convinced I'd become. Heel Turn has always been here. Wrestling has always been here. 
even when I didn't want it or didn't know that I needed it. And for a long time, that was all I needed because I loved wrestling. At times, I loved it more than my own life. And then I started to realize that wrestling was yet another thing I loved, that I saw in all its glory and embraced despite its flaws. But it never loved or trusted me as much as I loved and trusted it. What the fuck is happening? Why would anyone say this on a wrestling podcast? No one cares about your art or your shitty life. They just want you to give them arbitrary star rating and validate their opinions. You're not a fucking artist just because you force weird, hyper-conceptual shit on an unsuspecting audience. Who is doing this? Why are you doing this? You know what? Fuck this. Here's your weekly show reviews. Raw. I didn't watch it. I don't care. Smackdown. I didn't watch it. I don't care. What? Do you really think I was going to waste five hours of my life being miserable just so I could tell you all how miserable it made me? Is that fun for you people? Because it stopped being fun for me a long fucking time ago. You know what? Why am I even still here? I have nothing to say, let alone anything positive. I keep hearing ghost voices from out of nowhere tell their life stories. And Scott Steiner's voice is absolutely terrible. This episode is a fucking nightmare, and I am ashamed to be involved in its making. I'm ashamed to be involved with this entire show. Again. I don't expect you to be as smart as my highly educated brain, but even white trash like you should know the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. <laughs> oh what, you're a philosopher all of a sudden now? You know they say all men are created equal, but you look at me and you look at you and you can see that's not true. See, unlike you, I don't subscribe to that inbred hillbilly mentality where I do things I don't want to do for the greater good. You didn't have to do any of this. You could have left it alone and sat in your fat ass and played video games. But no, no, no. You chose to do this. You chose to put in hours of time and effort for a podcast you don't even like doing. Why are you even here, man? Do you even know? Why don't you speak the truth instead of hiding behind layers of irony and being an arching son of a bitch? The truth. Right. I need to tell my own truth. The first episode of Heel Turn was recorded on April 17th, 2013. A little under a month after I turned 25. I'm 30 years old now. They say you're as young as you feel. But you know what? I feel old. I feel too old to put up with the shit I've spent my entire life putting up with. Telling myself that I'll ultimately be recognized for my unwavering loyalty and will be seen for the caring, worthwhile person I know I am. I feel too old to watch this world continue to abuse and segregate and murder people like I've spent my whole life watching people justify. We're in the middle of a neo-fascist moment with the drive to undo everything our society has spent the last 150 years since Reconstruction trying to build. And I'm spending my creative energies talking about wrestling. Hell, let's take it a step further. 
I'm spending my creative energies talking about sports entertainment. A series of shows that is nothing but reactionary trash hell-bent on finding new ways to tell you that rich, violent white men are always right. That justifies the people at the top of the food chain getting endless, unearned opportunities in spite of the audience's opinion, while the lower-class wrestlers are punished for building a connection with the crowd in the way that creative didn't want. It treats its billionaire owner... A tyrant who has over the years busted unions, treated his employees like serfs, tied their medical treatments to his personal opinion of them, has been accused of sexually assaulting women, and has made said employees literally kiss his bare ass on live television. And they treat him like he's a wise, benevolent god that deserves the loyalty or respect of anyone. They make branding deals with nations currently engaging in genocide. And recently, as in, like, barely a month after having Finn Balor joined in his WrestleMania entrance by members of the New Orleans LGBTQ community, they forced one of the roster's more openly bleeding heart leftist members in Sami Zayn to anchor one of the most transphobic storylines I have seen on television in years. How the fuck can anyone with a conscience watch this and know everything going on in this company and be okay with this? How can you look at the hellscape our world is becoming in which the world's most powerful nation is actively working to strip women, queer folk, and communities of color of human rights and not see how this fucking company, whose singles champions include two avowed homophobes in Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles... A wife beater who constantly drives drunk in Jeff Hardy, and a Fox News contributor in Dolph Ziggler, and not see how they're actively helping to make our fucking world worse. And yeah, you know what? You can make the argument that a lot of this is WWE's fault. That there are a ton of other less shitty wrestling companies I could be paying attention to. And yeah, you know what? Maybe I got a point there. But is that really the case? We're talking about the top wrestling company in the entire world. And not only is this how they're allowed to act, they're actively rewarded for it with billion-dollar television contracts and foreign investments. If they can get away with this shit, why the fuck would any other wrestling company act differently? And that's just it. Scratch the surface, even slightly, and you discover that they all do the exact same shit. New Japan Pro Wrestling continues to book Michael Elgin, a man who had to sell his wrestling company in disgrace last year after telling a woman accusing one of his trainers of sexual assault to suck his dick. And they treat him like a fucking star and just put a title on him. Yeah, he lost it shortly thereafter, but they still put it on him. AAA actively tried to ruin its best talent's ability to work for other federations purely out of spite. Don't think I've forgotten what they did to Pentagon, El Cerro Miedo, and Phoenix. NXT has some of the best wrestling in the world, but it's still a feeding system for a roster that has squandered almost every single call-up they've made, is run by aforementioned and psychotic billionaire, and that's not even addressing the fact that the man who runs it has been accused of his own forms of racism and will never be held accountable for the fact that, let's be honest, he probably raped China. The people who run this are scum. And why should they change? We keep showing them that they don't have to. And we'll love it anyway. And they do. I love wrestling. 
I love it as an art form. I love that it's this weird mix of live theater, practical stunts, soap operas, kung fu films, improv, and legitimate sport all at once. I love that it's a vehicle for storytelling that, by all logic, should have ceased to exist forever ago. I love that the people who do it make these sacrifices with their body for no other reason than they genuinely love what they do and they want to see it thrive. But wrestling is fucking awful. Wrestling culture is the fucking worst. And I don't know how to fix it. For five years, I've put this effort into heel turn, thinking that I was helping to change the culture. And now I don't think I've done anything. I don't know what I can do anymore. And just like always, you're sitting here writing your little bitch baby eyes out, trying to get sympathy for the fact you need other people to make that change you want to see in this world. Scott, can we please not do this right now? I'm really not in the mood. No, no, no. I think you are. I think it's time you acknowledge how you need a real man like me. Because I'm willing to take drastic measures to make the changes you're too scared to make. Including killing your dumb little friend. Wait. You killed Owen? You know, I thought you were different. Well, we thought you were different. The Gauntlet got its vote too. But you're just like every other jabroni mark out there. You think you're so smart, but you can't see the big picture. Have you ever thought about why you keep bringing back pathetic homages to the big bad booty daddy every time Owen leaves you alone? Because I'm everything you don't got the balls to admit you want to be. I've done everything. I came into this business after kicking everyone's ass as an amateur at a highly prestigious university. I kicked everyone's ass with my brother, and then I kicked his ass and put everyone in the Steiner recliner on my own. I invented moves you'll never be able to pull off. I bullied the hell out of every locker room I've ever been in, and the boys love me for it. I've wrestled in front of sold-out stadiums and a few dozen juggalos. I'm banned from the Hall of Fame, I wear chainmail, I have a chest tattoo, and I own a Shoney's! I am legit, and I don't give the slightest fuck what anyone thinks of me. I'm the man with the largest arms in the world. I'm the genetic freak. And you're just some scrawny geek that needs other people's validation because you hate yourself too much to move on with your life and do something productive. You need me because at the end of the day, you're all talk. But me? I take what I want and I don't ask nobody first. And when you only care about two things in this world, you get a lot of them. You need me, because I'm someone willing to do what you needed to be done to save you from yourself. So yeah, I killed your dumb friend, but the numbers don't lie, and they spell that I did you a favor. You should be on your knees thanking me right now. What? Why the fuck would I ever thank you for this? You murdered Owen! Just like the jabroni mark you are, still can't see the big picture. Why don't you get off your fat ass and think about it for a second? Don't you think it's weird to have an entire episode to talk about whatever you wanted, and you're still here complaining about wrestling? Maybe you're a jaded fuck. 
Or maybe you have nothing positive to say, because deep down, you know that wrestling is terrible and deserves to die. You know that sometimes, the only way you can fix something is to just let it go. And I couldn't agree more. So I killed it! I spent eons searching for the Infinity Gems to complete this gauntlet. It was all for one purpose. So I could rip this universe of everyone that loved wrestling. Even Owen. And you want to call me the heel? I set us all free! I gave you the gift of a fresh start! You ought to be swearing your loyalty to me as your eternal lord and savior for what I've done to you. So unless you want to join your friend, I recommend that you pay homage like a good servant and get my bags. No. No, I never asked for all this bloodshed. I didn't want this. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make you pay for this, Scott Steiner. Well, in that case... I'm gonna take this gauntlet, grab you by your scrawny little neck, and Steiner screwdriver you into a puddle! Come here, you little punk! The battle raged for several days and nights as I fought the titanic, genocidal genetic freak across time and space itself. Just when I would think I had him cornered, the power of the Infinity Gauntlet would shift reality, sending us traversing across the universe in an endless fight as the planes of our battlefield constantly shifted. His power was too strong. My death, it seemed, was unavoidable. But then, a stroke of luck. As Steiner prepared for the final blow, I was somehow able to find a gun and shoot him in his dumb face. Turns out a universe-controlling gauntlet can't save you from being shot in the head point-blank with a pistol. Guess size doesn't matter after all, bitch. Scott's body was limp on the floor. Revenge was mine. But what did revenge change? Wrestling is dead. And so is everyone that loved it. They loved it so much that they could still find the good in what wrestling had become. They could find the passion for it, even when it disappointed them over and over again. And I'm alive because I couldn't. It didn't have to be like this. And then I realized... Maybe it still doesn't have to be like this. I started unfastening the gauntlet from Scott's cold, lifeless wrist. And as I could feel its power emanating, I thought of all the people that love wrestling while wanting it to change. All the people that keep fighting and know exactly why they fight and what they're fighting for and will never stop. They're the people we need to make this world better. And I know that there's a lot of wrestling fans willing to make that fight. But I don't know if I am anymore. Not right now. And as I put on the gauntlet and could feel its power surge through my system, I knew what needed to be done. Let the lovers love. Let them fight the good fight. But me? I'm needed elsewhere. I could probably do this in a less hyperbolic way than what I'm about to do. But fuck it, right? Do you know me? When haven't I done the most? Y'all come back now. You hear?
was another resoundingly mediocre episode of Heel Turn. I mean, I don't know. I thought we did a good job this week. We had a couple people in the chat, and there's a lot to talk about this week. Oh, sure. It was super exciting. I mean, we talked about how much wrestling news sucked, and we talked about how much Raw sucked, and then you lied to everyone about SmackDown not being awful or something. Oh, I, I guess NXT was all right this week, so what? That's ten minutes of things I actually enjoy talking about? Yeah, that seems like a great ratio. Dude, are you okay? Doesn't seem like you enjoy doing the show anymore. No, I'm not okay! I'm fucking sick of this! Everything WWE does is awful and fucking infuriates me! They've somehow found a way to take everything I enjoy and make me hate it! And I can't fucking comprehend why we just don't stop! We don't need this shit! I especially don't need this shit! I'm fucking 30 now! You know, something needs to actually change, because I, I don't think I... I, I <coughs> <coughs> Uh, John, 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 you're breaking up. You don't think what? Owen, I don't feel so good. Um, are you all right? Owen, I, I, I... John, it's fine. You're gonna be fine. Wrestling isn't that bad. Come on, just, just stay with me. We're gonna, we'll be fine. We'll keep doing the show. No. It's okay, Owen. It's all okay. I'm free. Uh, what the hell just happened? Come on, dude. John? John? John, this isn't funny. Stop being a dick. And come on, let's let's just finish wrapping up the recording. Come on, John? John! Oh, shit. Scott Steiner's Americana Spectacular 2, Infinity Raw's War, has been brought to you by Heel Turn, the official podcast of ProWrestling.cool. It was produced, written by, and starring John Gavrecki Maxwell, and featuring an executive produced by Owen Douglas. This podcast generally streams live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash ozoneonline and mixer.com slash theozone. For more content, follow us on Twitter at The Heel Turn, like our Facebook page, and check us out over at prowrestling.cool. Yes, that is a real working URL. For more of our host antics, you can follow John on Twitter and other social media platforms at IamJohnGM and follow Owen on Twitter at the underscore ozone. And if you enjoyed this show... Why not sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash PWC? Not only will you get exclusive bonus content, but you'll fund more experimental nonsense like this. Special thanks to Saw Square Noise for their songs We Are a Team and Sumi Sateshi. Those are the two JRPG-sounding piano tracks you heard in the intro and the ending, respectively. And to Dr. Thebes and the Ten Plates of Egypt for their cover of Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. You can find all three of these songs as part of the Free Music Archives at freemusicarchives.org. I'd also like to give an extra special thanks to YouTuber HBomberGuy, whose bizarre and insightful videos were a huge inspiration in the editing of this episode, and to comedian Hannah Gadsby for her beautiful piece in the neck. Your courage and brutal honesty gave me the strength to do the same. And last but not least, my deepest, sincerest, and most extra special thanks to Scott Steiner for not murdering me after clowning on him all these years. As for me, I'll see you when I see you.
Threats are part of wrestling, you know. But you got to look at the person that's making the threats. This fat son of a bitch, he's challenged all of us, has been world champions before, been in this business 15, 20 years, and this fat son of a bitch is going to challenge us all out. Calm down, calm down, okay? All right? He's fat! I'm going to... I don't care if he don't... I'll make him bleed. 